Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. The end of the world. Much ink has been spilled over the question of how the world began. Various scientific explanations are offered, including that a tiny spot exploded some 12 billion years ago, the famous Big Bang. Eventually life appeared and fairly recently monkeys and then humans. New atheists like Richard Dawkins or Michelle Hulebeck see this as proof that the creation story in Genesis is false. Be it what it may, the focus seems to be primarily on the beginning of the world. Much less effort is expanded on considering how this world will end. Science fiction writers paint different apocalyptic scenarios, such as meteors hitting our planet, aliens fighting and overcoming the human race, and so forth. But serious theories are far and few between. Why might this be? One reason could be that, in some unconscious way, we think that this planet will go on forever. What could seriously cause life to stop? Maybe some galaxies will collide and thus destroy our life, but most of this is million years away. Plus, NASA's dark mission just proved that, with the help of a rocket, we can deflect the journey of an asteroid, so we can rest secure. Why would anybody think about such matters anyway? The religious explanation is that this event will be momentous, and so it would be foolish not to think about it. In fact, just about all religious traditions hold that the date of this event is unclear, therefore it could happen at any moment. Might it be worth preparing for it? Christians spent Advent, the season before Christmas, considering what are called the last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Eschatology, the part of theology dealing with the destiny of mankind, figures prominently during December. Even so, we assume many of our listeners have never wasted a thought on the matter. Let us leave aside religious considerations for a moment. We just witnessed COP27, the UN Climate Summit in Sharm el-Sheikh. The irony was probably not intended, yet holding such a conference in a beach resort on the Red Sea seems truly absurd, almost like serving drinks on the Titanic. There are of course climate change deniers, but most scientists predict that each degree of global warming produces more natural disasters. You can think of parts of Florida, which because of Hurricane Ian disappeared. 
Similarly, the Arctic ice cap will melt, and places like the Maldives will get covered by water. In other words, for some of us, the end of our world could well happen during our lifetime. What said conference also showed was the increasing marginalization of large swaths of the world population. We are currently watching, more or less, the Football World Cup in Qatar. Economists estimate that this event will cost close to $200 billion. Only 73 of the world's 228 countries have a gross national product which exceeds this number. It is not difficult to guess what this does for the equality of nations. We do not need to invoke the images of currently starving families in Ethiopia in order to illustrate our point. Apart from the very question whether this inequality is grossly unjust, we would do well to ask ourselves how long poorer countries will accept such disparity. Both the US and Europe are desperately trying to close their borders. In our opinion, this is a vain undertaking. As long as working for McDonald's in a Western country provides more financial security than just about any job in a Central American or African country, people will emigrate to those places which offer greater wealth, and they will do so if need violently. Finally, at the risk of using a cliché, let us mention the war in Ukraine. Most of us have been shocked by the brazenness of Russia in invading its neighbor. All of NATO is determined to face off Vladimir Putin and his army, even at great financial cost. At various points during this nine months old conflict, it seemed like Europe was teetering at the brink of a nuclear confrontation. Yet you just about never heard anybody, maybe with the exception of Pope Francis, suggest that brokering a peace might be in all of our interest. It takes less than we sometimes think to bring this world, or at least part of it, to a sudden end. Why is it that so many of us essentially adopt an ostrich approach? Do we think that by not pondering the matter, it will resolve itself or pass us by? Or have we given up and followed the maxim of Madame de Pompadour, après moi le déluge? When facing some of the problems outlined above, it can be tempting to despair. Most of the questions are thorny and very complex, so much so that the average citizen feels impotent to do anything about them, often even struggles to make sense of them. So we hope that somebody is in charge and knows what they are doing. But is there? Do we trust Joe Biden or Ursula von der Leyen to get us out of some of our troubles? Or are we being religious and thus trust God that he is in charge and that he will bring history to its proper conclusion? We realize that talking about the end of the world is deeply frustrating and an unsettling thing. But we take the freedom to do so since it is Advent and we are religious. On a very personal level, as discussed in this podcast before, the moment will come when our own world will end. For most of us, that moment will come unexpectedly, almost as a surprise. I confess I must chuckle when I read death notices which say, Granny passed away quite unexpectedly. She was 92 years old. 
unexpectedly, really. Our end is inevitable, and for many reasons it is healthy to think about and plan for it, both for our own sakes and for that of our children. But as we have been trying to consider in this episode, there will also come an end to this world. So the question is, what does that have to do with us? In some way, nothing. Unless we expect to be there when this universe is consumed, it will outlive us, so we don't have to worry about it. But this is a very deterministic and defeatist view. Do we really think that we have no influence on history, including that of this planet? If we do, then we could truly drink and be merry without exercising any responsibility for our own life or for the world we live in. But, without broaching another tricky philosophical topic, if we believe in a certain degree of freedom of the human race, then questions of hunger, war, climate change and the like should concern us. The argument people quote is that even if they tried to do something about those fundamental questions which threaten the human race, they would not know where to start. To which we would reply by quoting Francis of Assisi, Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. There are numerous examples of people who did just that. William Wilberforce, who contributed to abolishing slavery. Jacqueline Noblecrantz, who has helped lift thousands, if not tens of thousands, out of poverty. John Paul II, whose efforts helped end the Cold War. Or Greta Thunberg, who motivated high school students all across the world to strike in order to mobilize their generation about climate change. The list is endless. Looking at my own life, it is not the complexity or enormity of problems threatening our world which sometimes cause me to do nothing. Quite often it is selfishness and the hope that others will step up. Allow us to mention one other religious story which Christians reread during the season, namely that of Noah and the Ark. Again, let us leave aside the question whether this story really happened and whether the boat found on Mount Ararat is in fact the original Ark. What the story intends to point out is that even in the midst of partial or total destruction of the world, the initiative and vision of one person can save many. In Noah's case, those saved were his family and lots of animals. Depending on how much we like dogs, bears, or cows, we will find this story inspiring or not. But we would hold that each of us has a little ark that is a place in which we have influence and where we can either be selfish and defeatist or take initiative to preserve, enhance, or foster life in all its variety. Whether it is human dignity, peace, nature, freedom, many things in this world are threatened by destruction. Which are the ones that we can and should preserve? This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner was produced by Fritz Lowy, Pirushka Kacha, Harry Kalef, and Jacob Dubibert. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts.
Until next time.